Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about us or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. I've been itching to do this for a while. I made a lot of excuses about why we shouldn't do it. Oh, well, you know, look, look, we're barring somebody else's place. How's that going to work? You know, who's going to come to that? You know, and, and had this whole mental game. And, and finally, I just kind of got over my own excuses and was like, you know what? I don't, I don't care if we do it in a barn. I don't, I don't care if you all pile in my living room. I don't care at this point. Like, I just, I'm ready for us to get back to doing these things. Um, when we do these things, everything else gets better. Like, like, like. Things in the church get better, things in your homes get better, things in your lives get better. Like, like when we come together collectively as men, and we've got one heartbeat that is seeking Jesus in this moment of what we're doing, things change. They just change, um, and they get better. So I'm excited tonight. I got a little quick, brief exhortation for you, um, and then we're going to get into why we're here, which is praying. So let me go ahead and tell you, if you've never been to one of these before, This isn't somebody's going to preach and we're going to have an altar call and everybody's going to come pray and we're going home. That ain't how this works. All right? So I want to go ahead and try to address any anxiety or fear or uncomfortableness of what may happen in the next few moments. All right? Because here's the deal. We are a group of many. All right? And we all come from a lot of different backgrounds. A lot of us got different experiences. So I don't want you to get caught off guard if you hear somebody praying in tongues because it'll probably happen. I don't, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable if, if, if this is full down here and you feel more comfortable in your seat. Like, like I, I, tonight I want to challenge you to step outside of your comfort zones because here's the deal. I know you love your wives. I love my wife. I've been married to her for 22 years. I love her. But sometimes when you got your spouse next to you, it holds you back and it chains you down a little bit. So tonight I want you to get loose and I want you to get free. I, I want you to do exactly what the Holy Spirit gives you unction to do in this room because we're going to pray. And it's not just going to be come down here and, and, and give your heart to Jesus and, and just talk to the Lord about it. No, no, no. It's, it's, we're going to come down here and we're going to confess. Like, like we're going to have a wave of confession where we come down here and we just lay it out here for God. And we're going to transition out of that and we're going to go right into supplication. And the way this is going to flow tonight, you, you ain't even going to really see or feel the changes. But I'm just telling you, we come to confess, we come for supplication, intercession, and we're going to walk out of here praising God with a spirit of adoration. Because when we pray these prayers, we're not praying them with the idea that he might do it. When we're, when we're coming down here as men and we're doing these things and we're laying down these struggles and these sins through confession and, and we're bringing our heart to God in that first wave, we're expecting God to do something with that. Like, it, like, like you should have an expectant spirit for the next few moments and you should be ready for God to move. And don't be afraid of the anointing when it falls because it's going to. Like, like, like don't. Um, I, I, I encourage you, to whatever, whatever boundary line you've got drawn in the dirt right now of I don't know about that. You just need to go ahead and step on over it, all right? Because it's going to get good, and I want you to miss it. Like, men miss these things too much because they got so much pride. Let me tell you about that pride, though. That pride is always rooted in fear. It really is. 
Like, I'm a man. Well, yeah, but you're a scared man because God's got something on the other side of that line and you won't go past it. So tonight, go past it. Let's tear down the strongholds. Let's go past the boundary lines. Let's, let's do this in a way where we come here not just expecting God, but seeking God. All right? Now, I got a quick word for you. I want to share something with you. This hit me, this hit me like a train about a month ago. Y'all, y'all, y'all know where we're at as a church. You, you know, you know we, we've, we've, we've got this land over here, and you know that we're, we're looking to build our home, and we're looking to have some stability and all this other stuff. And for some reason, God put my eyes on Psalm 126. Let me read it to you. You ready? It says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, listen to this. He said, we were like them that dream." Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Man, when I read that, I could see it. I felt like an Israelite who had just got released from Babylon and was walking back to my homeland and got, a, got right on the horizon and could see the silhouette of God's city and think, man, this is a dream come true. We, we, we talked about it. We hoped about it. We prayed for it. We cried for it. We laughed about it. And now we're stepping into it. And, and, and as a church, we're stepping into these things. Things that we've talked about, things that we've prayed about, things that we've hoped about, things that we've cried about, things, things that we thought this was it, but then it wasn't that, and then that fell apart, or something didn't come to fruition. And, and now we're getting to the point where we're starting to come over the horizon. Yes. Yes. Can you see it? He said we were like those that, that, that dream. That's what he said. So let me ask you a question, fellas. How many of you ever had a dream that didn't come true? This room's full of dreams that didn't come true. You're looking at a man that's got dreams that have never come true. Think about it for a second. You saw it. You could feel it in your mind, in your heart. You said, this is it. This is it. And it never came to fruition. It never happened. Like, like others didn't see it. No one understood it. You, you ever had something inside of you and you didn't know how to communicate it to other people? You ever have something so big, God put something so big on you that you don't know how to put it into words? So you just walk around all the time trying to figure out how to get this thing out of you? Think about those Israelites coming back, man. We, like, the only way they knew how to put it was we were just like them that dream. Like, this is so big and it's so powerful and it's so much that the only way I can explain is we were like those that dream. Every man in here has dreamed about something. Every man in here has had something that they wanted, they desired, or they hoped for, and they didn't get it. And the world will say, well, that's just life. Suck it up, buttercup, right? We don't always get what we want. But, 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 but if, if we flip that to a spiritual side, what if some of the things we dreamed and hoped for we didn't get because the sovereignty of God intervened and said, you don't need that because I've got something else over here for you. When they turned those Israelites loose from Babylon, maybe some of them didn't want to go back. I done got accustomed to this. I like this. This is comfortable. Just like their ancestors when they come out of Egypt. Hey, well, you remember them, them spices and the melons and stuff? We over here eating this manna. Right? This stuff don't even taste good no more. You know? 
Ain't that how we are in the 21st century, though? We get so comfortable and we get so complacent with our preferences and the things that we like and the things that we prefer and the things that we want that we will literally lay things to the side and ignore them because they don't fit our schedule or they don't fit this or they don't fit that or, or it's just not convenient. Oh, convenience is killing church. Convenience is killing Christianity. We design churches, ministries, processes, and protocols around what's convenient. Convenient. Like it's a 7-Eleven where you come in here and get a mountain doing a butterfinger walk out and don't have to talk to nobody. Christ didn't die for that. When Christ was hanging on that cross and he said it, was, it is finished, that ain't what he meant. We've gotten so consumer-driven and we've got our eyes set on so many different things that, that, that we're focusing more on the dreams that we've had instead of the one who instilled them in us. I think Paul put it as loving the creation more than the creator. He said, when the Lord turned again, the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. So I come here to tell you that God wants you to start dreaming again. But it ain't about being in the NBA. It ain't about making a million dollars. It's not about padding your 401k. God's ready for you to be man enough to take on a God-sized dream. God's ready for you to put a foot forward, one step in obedience that says, Lord, I'm going to submit. What do you want? And maybe, just maybe, some of those seeds that God's planted in your heart and your mind over the years that you've lived on this planet, maybe some of those things will come to fruition. But, but, but you know what needs to come to fruition before that? Your obedience and submission to God. Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want, and, 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 and it's okay to have those dreams. You see, what happens is, is when we get focused on those things, we end up in a season of stuck. Like this church is in a season of stuck. You say, well, I mean, you know, look at what happened to us. So what? Jesus didn't have no building. That man would post up on a hillside. Oh, you got some fish and some loaves? Come over here, dog. Let me bless that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they won't let us in the temple. That's all right. We'll hang out on the porch. Like, oh, we're just going to go in the market and do it. Like, like, here's the deal. The ministry happens wherever you are if you're a Christian. You don't need a title. You, you don't need a slip. You don't need a piece of paper. You don't need a facility. You don't need any of that. And as long as you stay stuck in that, you won't ever do ministry. You'll hope that you get the opportunity to do it. You'll dream about doing it, but you'll never do it. Because God swings that door of opportunity wide every day that you walk out of your home. Every time you go into a job, every time you walk into a place, because you've got a life-changing message that's locked away inside of you, and God even interweaved that through your story. You ain't got to be a theologian. You don't have to be a church historian. You don't have to have pastor in front of your name. Think about where you were when God found you and what you needed and be that for someone else. That, 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 that's what you do. Season of stuck. Man, I ain't hearing that. I got, I got stuck a while back. I did. And, and what it does is it creates this void in your soul, man. It's, it's like this, this hole that you can't fill with anything. Like, nothing's good. Everything sucks. And the whole while, God's still working, he's still moving, and he's still blessing all around you, but you just put the blinders on and you just decide to stay right where you're at and be dissatisfied and stuck in whatever season that you're in. And God's still moving and working in the unseen. So, 
Here's the deal. God's looking at this church and saying, hey, the season of captivity is coming to an end. It starts in this room. It starts with each and every one of you. There's no reason for you to be living like a captive. There's no reason for you to be hiding behind your excuses. There's no reason for you to be throttling back and holding back and waiting for something big to happen. Maybe it's you that institutes what's big that's going to happen. You see what I'm saying? Like, we are men. And society hates us. Let's just be honest. You are under attack. You might not realize it, but you are. You are under attack. You're a public enemy, number one. You want to know why? Number one, you're a man. Number two, you're a Christian. So that makes you politically incorrect, socially incorrect, uh, whatever other incorrectness you can think of in society. And we will sit in silence and we will make peace with evil when God has called us to destroy it. I'm tired of making peace with evil. I'm tired of accepting things for the way they are and just say, hey, it is what it is. It ain't what it is. It just ain't. He's starting to turn things. Things are turning. I wish I could go into detail, but I can't because it's not my place. But things are starting to turn. And when it turns, you're going to feel it, and you're going to see it, and you're going to know it. And it would be such a travesty if when this thing turns, you decide to stay over here and just watch. My position in this church gives me the opportunity to work with a lot of people. A lot of people who want to be in ministry, want to be a part of ministry, want to serve, want to do this, have visions, ideas, you know, hopes and dreams about things that happen in the church. You want to know the one thing that bothers me about all that? 80% of them are women. 80% of them are women. And God, God, God's moved in their life and he's worked in their life. And, and, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it or they shouldn't be that way. But 80% are women. Where you at? So we were shouting and singing victory in Jesus a minute ago. But then I hit you with a real statistic. And it's like, oh, snap, he's for real. Yeah, I'm for real. We got a bunch of dudes that don't do nothing. And this ain't me beating you up. I'm telling you, God's turning it. I need you to get on board. I, I need you to get with us. I, I, need, I, I, need, I, I need balance. We need balance in this church. God wants balance in this church. It's 50-50. Like, like, like the men that are in this room, if you got on fire for Jesus and you just moved your pride out of the way for just a half second, God could do something in you that would change the trajectory of your life and it would put this church on course for when it turns. But if you're dependent on two bald-headed guys who are already half worn out and half dead, Y'all in trouble. We need you. We need you. I know you think you need us, but we need you too. We do. That fire that you had in you that's gotten extinguished by the circumstances of life, that dream that somebody just crushed or squashed out of you, I need you to reignite some of that stuff. I need you to dig deep. I need you to do some soul searching. I need you to get in your prayer closet and go to war. Find your footing and get your armor on and let's go to war. Let's fight. It ain't an army if there's just two dudes out there running around. We crazy too now. Don't, don't get it mixed up. We are wild. We're crazy. I told him the other day, I said, most pastors look around here and they don't understand how this works. I told him it's because we're the two craziest people in this, in, in this area. We just crazy. We do stuff other people are like, I don't know why they did that, but somehow it worked. It's because we crazy. 
The crazy translates, though, because I believe God is so big. And I believe God can do so much. And if I just get out of his way, if I'll just submit, Lord, whatever you want to do, I don't care if I look like a fool. I don't care if they think I'm, a, I'm crazy. I don't care. I don't care. God's turning it, guys. He's turning it. He's turning it. Look at verse 2. It says, then was our mouth filled with laughter. You see the word then? Things change when that word pops up. They do. Things change. 70 years of captivity, then. Then they were like them that dream. You see, God can very easily transform a dream into a reality. He can. He can. But when our dreams don't align with his will and we get stuck, we miss the then. Because here's the deal. On the other side of the then, if you think about it, think about your story. Think about where Jesus met you. You were here, but then, right? Look, I was doing this, but then. Think about it, young man. Like, like, like my heart was broke, but then. Then what? Then God. Then Jesus. Then the church. Then, then, then my brothers in Christ. Then all those things. Those are the moments that we're looking for. It's then. He said, then. Then the Lord. Like, there's power in that. Don't miss that. You see, some of you in here, you have a then story. You do. Like, it's, it's bubbling up inside you right now. You're like, God, I wish you'd give me that microphone so I could tell them about my then story. You know? Just have a testimony. Service. So, some of you have a, a then story right now. Some of you are living that then story right now. Like, you're literally living through it because life has done beat the tar out of you over the last couple weeks. Things didn't work out the way you thought you did, and God's literally letting you live through that then moment. So when you get on the other side of it, you can say, well, it was like this, but then the Lord. Some of you already have it. Some of you are living it right now. Some of you, some of you have it, and you've never used it to honor him. God's done so much for you. God's brought you out of so much. God's blessed you so much, but you haven't used it yet. You, have, you haven't, that's like walking around with a sword and never taking it out. Like God's equipped you with this thing, and, and you just never use it. It looks good hanging on your hip, but you don't ever pull it out, and you don't ever swing it. You don't want to engage. Most of the time that's rooted in fear. I don't know how to talk to people, Pastor Jeff. Neither do I. You ever had a conversation with me? I, I, don't, I don't like to beat around the bush. Pleasantries are secondary to me. Like, what are, you, what are we talking about? What you need? What you want? How can I help you? What's up? And some people are like, gosh, he's so abrasive. No, I ain't abrasive. I just... What's up? But some of you have a then story, then the Lord, and you're not, you're, just, you're not using it. You're not engaging in it. Let me tell you something. There's power in that. There's so much power in that because here's what God does. He will strategically put someone in front of you that needs what you have. And it's all related to your then story. It's all related to what God's brought you through and how God's delivered you. Maybe he healed you. Maybe he blessed your finances. Whatever. But he'll put a person in front of you, and you've got a decision and a choice to make in that moment. Am I going to use this, or am I just going to keep it? A lot of people just keep it. In a room this size, if half of you used it, what would happen? I can tell you exactly what would happen. Revival would happen. We talk about revival like we want it, but if revival really came, it'd scare half of y'all to death. You'd be like, them folks, it's, he said they were crazy. They show enough crazy. Yes. Your then story. That's your power. 
That's the ammunition that you have, not just against the enemy, but to use out here in this dark, broken, dirty world to try to pull people from hell. The then story. I'll move quick. Three things change when God gives you a then. You ready? The first thing is, is it changes your spirit. Verse 1, we were like them that dream. Look at what it says. It says, then our mouth was filled with laughter. Our tongue was singing. They said the Lord's done great things. You know how you can tell God's changed someone's spirit? Their vision changes. The way you see things changes. There's a bunch of men in this world that just got the poor pitiful me attitude. And it, it's hard for me to minister to men like that. It really is. Maybe I lack empathy. I don't know. But it's hard for me to minister to men like that because here's the deal. You got breath in your lungs. You got pep in your step. You're a man created in the image of God. You've got the Holy Spirit within you. There's nothing to feel sorry for yourself about. Jesus died for you. He shed his blood for you. Yes, it gets hard sometimes. Yes, it gets heavy sometimes. Yes, the world doesn't care about you, but an almighty God does so much that he sent his son to die for you. It changes your spirit, man. It, 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 it's your vision. Your expectations change. You trust God despite the circumstances. You do. Like, it doesn't matter what's stacked up against you. You still trust God. I told you we're crazy. I'm just giving you a taste of what it's like to be us for a minute. Your affection changes. You ever get mad at God because something didn't work out? You ever look at heaven like, like you special? Your affection changes because your affection and love towards God isn't dictated by your circumstances. It's not dictated by your failures. It's not dictated by what you didn't get or what didn't happen. It's steady and it's the same. You see, the then moment, it changes your spirit. It also changes your speech. It changes your speech. Instead of sighs of pain, they were singing songs of praise. They were coming back from 70 years of captivity as slaves their names had been changed. They had to learn a new language. They had languished and, 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 and lived as slaves for 70 years in this foreign land. And they come back and they're singing praise. It wasn't what happened to us. It isn't what happened to us or what we went through. It was songs of praise. You see, dread, fear, anxiety, all those things get washed away by words of affirmation when you speak them out loud. You will always hear me say this because men are a bunch of silent, statues. You internalize all of your mess. You push it down and you don't talk about it because when you do, society ridicules you for it. Your wife tells you that you're weak or that she doesn't want to hear it or maybe it's an inopportune time. But let me tell you something, fellas. you got to get vocal. You've got to start speaking these things out loud. Those words of affirmation that God has locked away in you, you got to say those things over yourself before you can say them over anyone else. you got to claim those things. they got to be verbal. you got to say them. you got to say them out loud. You gotta say them out loud. You have to say them out loud. But I don't want to. I don't know what to say. I don't want to sound stupid. What? There's that pride again. Move it out of the way. Words of affirmation. Praise. It changes your speech. Changes your speech. You're not crying anymore. You're singing. You're not defeated anymore. You're determined. You gotta learn how to speak life into and over the situations in your life. It ain't easy to do sometimes. But when you learn how to do it, 
you, you, you start feeling like you have a better grip on things. Your life doesn't feel like it's completely out of control because you've submitted all that control directly to God. When you and I try to keep something in our hand, it normally gets messed up, right? Like we all have this idea in our mind that we have control over our lives. No, you don't. Ain't a single man in here going to make the sun come up tomorrow. Ain't a single man in here keep his heart beating when he goes to sleep tonight. Ain't, ain't none of us got any more control over this flesh than anybody else. Let's just be real for a second. Let me talk to you for just a second. Like, like the things that we're bombarded with on a daily basis, they tap into the most depraved base instincts that we have as men sometimes. And we struggle with those things. And we trip over those stumbling blocks every once in a while. And, and, and when, when God begins to change our speech, we can speak to those things and over those things. We can speak life into those situations. Let me tell you something. Like, like, like I counsel a lot of people, and I'm just going to be real with you. Men struggle with pornography. Boy, that was a, that was a rip-roaring amen right there. It's true. Let's just be honest. It's a room full of men. Let's be real. Men struggle with it. You do. It's okay. Here's what happens. That spirit will get on you. It'll get on you. And when you lose that battle, the enemy will slip in and ostracize you from the spirit. He will, he will systematically separate you from everything that is designed to minister to you, to help you, and to heal you, and to grow you. And you will sit over here alone. And you will struggle alone. And you will struggle in silence. And you will feel like you are the only person on the face of the earth that's dealing with what you're dealing with. And there's a room full of dudes dealing with it. And you'll sit over here alone and you'll feel unworthy. You'll feel unloved. You're not worthy of his grace. You're not worthy of his forgiveness. And you just sit over here and struggle. And if you just knew how to speak, if you just knew how to say it, those demons flee. That spirit has no power because then moments change your speech. Not only do you speak it over your situations, but you can speak it over and into other people. You ever just had somebody in front of you and you did not know what to say? The whole life is falling apart. They're just a wreck. And you're sitting here trying to be obedient to God, but you have no words. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. you got this little voice in your head saying, well, don't say anything. You don't want to say well, something wrong. You ever think that maybe if you hid his word in your heart like the scripture says, that you might have something for that situation? I was talking to a guy yesterday, and I said, look, you know, I, 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 I don't have a very good memory. Like, I don't memorize scripture, but I found myself in conversations where I'm talking with somebody and they bring something up and the Holy Spirit's like, there's the scripture. I can't quote it. I can't tell you the book of the verse, but I can tell you the scripture. Because over 20 years, I've hid that in here. I've hid it in here. I didn't even know I was hiding it because I just had a hunger and a desire for his word and I wanted to know him as best as I could. And that's another problem. We don't have a hunger and desire to know him. We want to be acquainted with him. We want to feel good in worship services. We, we, we want to get all emotional and everything and then walk out of here and not be any different than when we were when we came in here. And the reality is, is you got to get in that book. you got to get in that word. you got to start hiding some stuff in here. When you, start, when you start chewing on that stuff, God will start putting some stuff in there, and you won't even realize it. He'll start putting stuff in there. He'll plant it in you, and then something will come up, and boom, there you go. you got ammunition for the situation. And you can help other people with it because it changes your speech. Last thing here real quick. 
You can speak it over your spouse, over your kids, over the people that are close to you. Because let's be honest, those are the hardest conversations to have. It's easier for most of y'all to talk to a total stranger than it is to say, hey, honey, let's go get an altar and pray. Hey, babe, I need to talk to you about something. Here's what I've been struggling with this week. Hey, here's, here's this secret sin that I've been wrestling with for a month. And I've been so scared to tell you and so ashamed because I don't want you to see me differently. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to lose any value in your eyes. Lord, here's this thing. But I just, I just haven't been able to talk to you about it. I know you know about it, but I haven't been able to talk to you about it. The people that God's yoked you up with as a man, they're your responsibility. God's going to hold you accountable. He is. And every time the Holy Spirit slips into your living room or slips into your bedroom or slips into wherever you're at and says, hey, do this. And you say, huh? No, uh-uh. I'm a man. We don't do that. You ain't no man. It takes twice as much strength and courage to follow the Spirit than it does to follow your flesh. Twice as much strength. Twice as much. Because nine times out of ten, the Spirit's going to come, and it ain't going to be an opportune time for you. You ain't going to be feeling it. It's been a long day. I'm stressed out. Obedience and submission. I know it ain't popular. Like, it ain't going to be a best-selling New York Times book. They ain't going to put me on Fox at 10 o'clock in the morning right after Jensen. But it's the truth. It's the truth. What's the secret, man? How do you unlock it? Obedience and submission. He changes. The then moments, they change your speech. They change your spirit. And they change your season. They change your season. I'm almost done. Maybe, maybe you're sowing something right now and you don't even realize it. Let's be honest. We're all sowing something. We're all sowing something. You're either sowing things to your flesh or you're sowing things onto the spirit. How do you tell the difference? Well, if all you're doing is for you, it's the flesh. But if you've got a selflessness about you, then it's probably for the spirit. Most of us sow to the flesh, and we call it sowing to the Spirit. But if we're honest with ourselves, when we get our narcissistic mindsets out of the way, and we move our pride out of the way, and we're honest with ourselves, we do very little sowing onto the Spirit normally, because we only do the things that we're comfortable with. We only do the things that fit our preferences. But then you look at the then moment. This is how change your season. They went from slaves to liberated. They went from strangers in a foreign land to own their way back home. He'll change your season, fellas. He'll change it. He'll change your season. He's changing the season of this church. He's, he, he'll change it. He'll move it. He'll do it. Um, some of you are having to sow in sorrow with only hope that harvest comes. Some of you are. I, I feel that when I say that because, you know, when you invest in people, whether they're in your home or they're not in your home, and you have... You have a vested stake in someone's life and you feel like you lose influence every single day. You feel like no matter what, every day your influence is diminishing. They don't listen to what I say. They don't seek counsel from me anymore. Maybe you're sowing in sorrow 
right now. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. Because it's our responsibility to sow seed. It's God's responsibility to make it grow. Keep sowing. It'll cha he'll change your season. He changed their season. Harvest is coming. Rejoicing is coming. Precious seed always brings forth fruit. Always. <clears throat> Verse 6 says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The children of Israel had hoped, prayed, begged, and pleaded to be back in their homeland. And they never thought they would be. They couldn't believe it when it happened. If you go back to the first verse, they said, we're like those that dream. We, we never could imagine that God would do this. We're walking into a season, fellas, where you're going to look at the situation, and we're going to get on the other side of it, and you're going to be like, I can't even imagine how God did this. I'm not a prophet, but I'm telling you, when we get on the other side of this, you're going to look at it, and the only explanation for what happens is, but God, then God. Mark my words. It's going to happen. I believe it with every ounce and every fiber of my being. I've had other preachers say, man, you're crazy. I feel sorry for you. Can I give you a job so you can have some stability and y'all can't just, you can stop being wandering in the wilderness? No, man, I'm good. I'm good with being crazy. I think it fits me pretty well. Because I, I believe it. I believe that we're sowing in sorrow, but that when the harvest comes, we're going to be walking with the sheaves in our hands, rejoicing and praising God. And it'll only be because of God. Only be because of God. Only because of God. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted on Tuesdays.